Hello, this is Adam. This is Tara. And this is Basic, Basic Snitches. Snitches. Oh, yeah. Today, we are discussing chapter four of Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. Number, number 12, 12 Grimmauld Place. Place. It's going to be lovely. This a is lovely, a new location that I'm very excited about. It's a very beautiful house. I wish I lived there. I do kind of live in there. My house is very dark. <laughs> it is. You didn't even see what I did in the basement. It's very dark in the basement now. I'm very happy with it. <laughs> I have those glass blocks in the windows that you sometimes see. So that usually there's a lot of sunlight in there. <laughs> you need to see what I did in the basement. Do I? You sure do. I got things hanging from the ceiling. Well, that sounds pleasant. And that's... I'm not actually... Joking. I really, really do have things hanging from the ceiling. I don't have chains. I'm going to take you down there. I'm going to put you in those chains. And you're going to be like Ollivander at the end of the series. Being like, oh my god, I got trapped. So it's not kinky stuff. No, it's literally me needing to like kidnap all of my friends. <laughs> what I actually did was the, the cat boxes are down there. And I still down there. I had this like screen, like a folding screen to give them a little bit of privacy. But now they have even more privacy because I found these curtain rod holders that you attach to the ceiling on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And now there's an entire blackout curtain. So they, ha Ooh. they can like poop in complete privacy now. That's so nice of you. I know. And it makes it very nice and dark and moody, which is my aesthetic. <laughs> and the Black's aesthetic. And it's that time to recognize all of our patrons from our Patreon. As you may have just heard, Bentley beat me to it. Thank you again to Nisi, our very first Patreon member. You too can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash basic snitches for exclusive content and to be recognized in every single one of our episodes. This week's exclusive clip gives a little bit of background about that Harry Potter event that Tara attended a few weeks ago. And I tell you a little bit about how I almost snatched me a husband. Keyword, almost. Chapter three, who won lost? Yes. I'm gonna start with my loser of chapter three. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna be surprised by this. Dumbledore? Dumbledore! <laughs> I'm getting good at this. <laughs> I think I'm just so annoyed by the whole thing that I'm just not going to let it go. I feel like this group of people would have been able to handle this sooner and better and faster had Dumbledore allowed it. Obviously, we don't know the story, but I'm going to assume it's Dumbledore. I think the winner, also clear, mm -hmm. Tonks. Yeah! Absolutely the winner of the chapter. First appearance, and she wins immediately. I mean, you know, someone had to win the first chapter of the series, too, so it's fine. It was a very positive chapter, so I could almost see anybody winning it, right. but Tonks is Quinn already. From, like, a different perspective, this is fucking great, and fucking finally, there's kind of a case for Harry to win, but it wasn't an earned win. It was like a, this is a win, and default. then he gets to leave, and that's exciting. Yeah. But And Harry gets enough default wins. I think it's yeah. good for... Well, I feel and, like Tonks is and an if there's win. And if there's an earned win in this chapter, which there is, I think it's Tonks. Yeah. We talked about it a lot in the episode. She's just really great in the whole chapter. Right? She treats him like a human. Yeah. Instead of an object or a celebrity. I mean, celebrities are also humans. I mean, I guess that's also sort of questionable, depending on the celebrity. <laughs> I wrote a thing. Yes, you just sent it to me. I did. While I was talking. Yeah, because as always... We forget to send our things. I hope you enjoy. Okay, here we go. A thing for Tara. Number 12, Grimwald Place. 
Harry realizes that there is a number 11 Grimwald place, and a number 13, but no number 12. All he does is think really hard about it, though, and it appears. Well, now we know that that's not necessarily <laughs> true, but at the time, that's what I thought. It's all good. <laughs> I'm sorry, please go on. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I wish that would work when I think about a husband. Oh, see? Full circle. Anyways, as he goes into this extremely dark, physically and aesthetically, house, a beacon of light appears. Ben Molly, who hurries him upstairs past such things as a bunch of house elf heads mounted on the wall, and she says she's got to run to the order meeting happening downstairs. He's greeted by a very welcoming and packed up Ron and Hermione, and then has a tantrum. Ron and Hermione do their best to ensure him that it was based on Dumbledore's orders, and start to fill him in here and there about everything he and us have been hoping to learn about, which in middle of, Ginny appears with dung bombs and the twins apparate with extendable ears. Such things are... The Order is a group of people who fought Cocaine Baby for the first time around, Snape included. They've been guarding him. Percy is that little fucker we all knew he was. Cornelius is the ultimate K-word. The Daily Prophet is also corrupt and is stuck in Fudgepacker's dick. Hermione is still involved with Spew and the Grimmauld Place has a house elf named Creature. Molly comes in to announce the meeting is over and that it's time for dinner. Then everyone gets screened up by a racist painting who we realize is serious as mum. Very nice. There was a lot of shit happening in your chapter, and I was like... Yeah, this is sort of... I mean, it's not a recap chapter, but it's definitely a backstory chapter. There's a lot of information in this chapter. Definitely. So my first question right off the bat is, why number 12? Because what this made me think of is, like, some hotels don't have a 13th floor because 13 is supposed to be, like, an unlucky number. Most hotels do not. That's so strange. Yeah. If you're on the 14th floor, you're actually on the 13th floor. Yeah, exactly. Like, that doesn't, like, change math. (laughs) So, so why... This is correct. Why exactly 12? Like, is there some sort of, like, significance behind that? Obviously, the author has put a lot of things in multiples of 7. It could have been more apropos for it to be 14 or 13 because it's spooky-ooky. But 12, do you know of any reasoning behind that? I don't. You don't know? I don't know. I think that it was just a thing that she... I mean, it's always been number 12 from one place since 2005 or whenever this book came out. So it's just like, hey, that's what it is. Yeah, but now I'm like, that sounds the best. Yeah. Of course it does. That's what it's been, Num- you know? Number 13, Grimmel Place. Number 14, Grimmel Place. Number 7, Grimmel Place. Yeah, number 12 just sounds the best. Number 463, Grimmel That's a lot of fucking townhouses <laughs> in this ghetto. <laughs> Why did they build so many townhouses in the middle of the ghetto? Well, half of them are, you know, invisible because they're wizard houses. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, half of them are crack dens. <laughs> I didn't say half of them And the, the other half are meth labs. And there's this one that is a wizard house. <laughs> and then we see Quen Molly. Yes. We're not obviously at the movie yet, but the way that is described about her hugging him, and of course Molly hugs are always appreciated. And then she kind of like... Holds him by the shoulders and at arm's length and is like looking at him very motherly. Yeah, mother. it's the way it's described. I really love and I think they they do replicate it in the movie. They really do. Well. She's amazing. Yeah. The and then she's like, "Get the fuck upstairs." Yeah, she's I like, "All meeting. right, well, uh, I got shit to do. Want to send you through this creepy ass house? Good luck." And then he gets <clears throat> pounced on by Hermione. She's just ready. I feel like she's just ready for him to be there. Yeah. Because Ron and Hermione 
want so badly to have him there with them. Yes. But they have no control over anything. They're children. I love this because I think we're so caught up on looking at Harry's point of view, which is important. Yeah. The series is named after him because they're about to be a tantrum. I think it's important to see things from Hermione and Ron's point of view because while they weren't there when all this bad stuff happened, like in the graveyard, they were still there for Harry. They were right there by his side. And it must be just as frustrating, if maybe not more frustrating, to know all of this stuff and not be able to tell Harry and help him out. This is more of a relief for them, whereas I think this is the moment where Harry kind of takes... All of these emotions that he's been wrapped up in. And there's been a few moments where he's been able to let some of them out using Dudley as a punching bag once he got back to his room after all the owls and stuff. But, like, this is the big moment where he's able to unleash things. And everything considered, because I get it. I get how much he's been through and that he's been holding all of this in. I know Harry is better than this. He absolutely is better than this. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that you stated a couple of times that you get it because it is also like we're all better than that you know like yeah. we're all better than the instinct to just take it out on people that you care about there's something about it though and there's something about the three of them as a unit and this whole section that i almost like kind of want to shake friend george and Ginny for just being there like i want them out of this moment right now mm, you know i can understand that because it's so it's personal harry comes in there and he is so wound up he is so hurt and these are the people who he loves the most and those are the people that you take out everything on in a way that's different than taking it out on people that you don't actually care about he knows and it's not that he's like I have to think about how I'm approaching this. Like, he is spewing emotions all over his friends. But somewhere deep down in his heart, he knows that they get that's what this is. Mm -hmm. Ron and Hermione are fucking great in this moment because he lets them have it. And they're trying to defend themselves because they should. They're innocent in this. But they also, I think, both get it. They're like, he needs this. Who better for him to just spew all over mm. on this than us mm-hmm. yeah this sucks because it's not our fault that is a really good way to look at it because yeah i do think that ron and hermione and especially ron who we've had choice things to say about in the last book yeah. in particular so it is pretty special for them to be so okay with this because they really don't they don't push back at all they just explain themselves and say this was Dumbledore's orders and everything. And Harry says some pretty hurtful things. He does. Like, in particular, like, I'm the one who did everything. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who saved your ass from the basilisk and blah, 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 and quarrel. And I think at this point, you and I and most other readers of this series can attribute a lot of these wins to Hermione and to Ron. Like, he wouldn't yeah. have been able to do all of this if it weren't for them. In a different circumstance, Harry absolutely would give them that credit. He's in a really shitty place. I really admire the way that they let him do that. And Ron especially, because Ron would bite back. Yeah, you know? oh, absolutely. Like, Hermione can assess a situation much cleaner than Ron can. Yeah. But you said it before. They have also spent four weeks worrying about him. And I know that they were sending him letters, but they didn't have really anything useful in them. They're probably, like, agonizing over that. 
we can't help our friend. We can't do what we want to do for him. And that's hard, too. There's even, I think, like some lines in here where they looked at each other like this was what they were expecting from him. Uh, Yeah. I mean, good on them. They know Harry better than everyone else. I find it a little bit jarring the way that he's saying these things. And, I mean, I think the other big thing to realize that I don't think Harry has completely 100% realized is, yeah, you lived through all of that stuff, but because of all that stuff, things are different now. Mm -hmm. And that is why all these things are taking a little bit longer and there's more red tape. What I love about this is it really shows the level in which he's been pushed. Kind of sets us back on this path where we're a little more tuned into how fraught this whole thing feels for him. And then I'm annoyed with Fred and George because they just kind of come in. So let's talk about Fred, George, and Ginny, too. Because I love them all, obviously. I love them all, too. I actually find the extendable ears thing with the twins and the operating. While maybe it's not the best place or time, it's, of course, in character. But I also love it because if I could apparate... And I think Ron even is like, it would have taken you 30 seconds more to just like, like walk up here. Yeah. Bitch, if I can teleport. One of them even says it. Fred or George is like, time is galleons. Yeah. Bitch, yeah. I'm be saving time. I get it. And it's actually kind of like a welcome interruption because then it's like, okay, Harry is getting it out and then we need to move on from that. Yeah. And perhaps he's less likely to do this in front of everybody else too. Well, and this is where we get a lot of exposition. There's still some unknown things. Like we still don't know why there were Dementors there. Yeah. Ginny too, before we get too far away from them, Ginny, I feel like has the most like lines here ever. It is very clear that, oh yeah, remember little Ginny from book two who didn't really say that much in book three or book four? Well, she's still here and she is part of the Silver Trio now. Well, and that's the thing is like, Ginny, while the first member of that trio we really get to know is Neville, Mm -hmm. Ginny comes in like a fucking fireball. When she's finally there, she's like, here I am, I am important, and I love that she is integrated into this, you know, spoiler, just kidding. Harry and Ginny get together in the sixth and book. And you know what? You almost see and some of that here. Some of the yes. tension and there. And I, I really appreciate that there's a lot more build of it. Because like this book is like where we get to see how badass Ginny is. And then it's the sixth book where as they're going to school, Harry's like, oh, it was nice having Ginny around. And like realizing that there's maybe something there and watching that develop. But it's here. It's not like Ginny was an afterthought until the sixth book. She is here and she's like gonna be kicking ass well i will say she's felt more like an afterthought in the last two books to me oh yes but here she definitely is not like she's talking more she's also mischievous which is a weasley thing up till this point we haven't seen a lot of that from her either and the fact that she's flicking the dung bombs at the door and everything all of that is wonderful and she tells us like tonks taught her that and you're like oh tonks is fucking yeah that's right tonks is the big sister because she has all these boys and then the other Weasley that is worth bringing up, too, is that they're like, oh, yeah, Bill and Fleur are fucking already. And I'm like, wow, that was fast. She was like, I like that earring. And I also like that dick. <laughs> there we go. Is it Fred that's like, do you remember Fleur Delacour? Harry's like, no, bitch, I don't remember anyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what kind of fucking question is that? Do you remember her? No, I forgot everything from last year. All I see when I close my eyes is Cedric's dead body. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. 
No shit. And then there's a brief mention of Charlie, which is always good. Him, you know, trying trying to get some PTO. But then they talk about the other Weasley that (laughs) shall not be named. No, we'll name him. The gay one. It's been building towards this. It's been building towards this. And then you're like, no, bitch. She said that to my cat, but the sentiment still stands towards Percy. In this chapter, it doesn't feel as big as it's going to be. Even, like, having read it a hundred times and reading this, and I was like, this does not set itself up to be not the big thing that it is. And it, I kind of think it's... pretty major. No one is focusing on that, so they're like, oh, it'll resolve itself, and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. There's something about the writing that makes me feel like it doesn't feel as major as it's about to become, which I think is kind of brilliant. I guess... I mean, thinking of priorities, too, which is something that is kind of an unexpected theme. There's so much other stuff going on Mm -hmm. that it's like, you know what? We can't worry about Percy and his bullshit completely right now. And then that, of course, gets into a lot of the other things about Fudge and his immense amount of corruption and how Dumbledore is now all of a sudden being painted as this crackpot old fool as vernon once said and the daily prophet is publishing all this stuff hermione saying like if you read it from cover to cover like how they're trying to paint you it's very fascinating the difference between how harry and hermione read i mean it doesn't surprise me how they read the daily prophet because i think that if you're not a person that would normally read this stuff you would probably be more like harry be like well i am on the front page you know i'm not looking for it i'm not thinking about it I mean, I would totally want to read all the things if that's my only outlet into the world. That's what I was just going to say. But, you know. I mean, we see it from the very beginning of this book. Like, if there's going to be something big, it's going to be on the news. It's going to be on the front page. So, like, I think his assumption makes a lot of sense about, well, this is clearly what's going to happen. We already saw the taste of how Fudge is handling this at the very Mm -hmm. end of the last book in that it's not going to be on the front page because it's already being covered up. And the media is in the cahoots with this big K-word Fudge. And that is something that Hermione, who's just very insightful in the area, is going to think about. Harry doesn't think that way. You know, Harry's not going to be like, well, if I look in here, maybe we'll see all this stuff. And I guess Harry also has so many other things to think about right now, too. I mean, also, yeah, I think that it's probably good he wasn't reading from cover to cover and reading all the underlying shit about him and because he's going to have enough shit to deal with. But also, can we talk about how what the Daily Prophet is doing is libel? Clearly, that must not be something that exists in the wizarding world. Look at what Rita did the entire last book, of course. So, yeah, libel's already been rampant <laughs> during this series. Another wizard profession that we need, on top of the therapists that we talk about all the time, is lawyers. Lawyers. Harry should sue the shit out of the Daily Prophet. You know, I feel like Hermione also would have been a great wizard. Oh, she absolutely would. There are many occupations that I think Hermione would have done well should there have been the wizard equivalent to them. So also we learn that Snape is part of the order. Yes. And I have a question. Snape is giving an update. Fred and George are like, we want to know what the fuck that's about. What is the update that he's giving everyone? I think that the update is probably, FYI, this is what Voldemort's been saying. Hey, Voldemort said that Sirius secretly has a little dick, etc. All the shit that he's talking about. I mean, I know that at the end of the fourth book, Snape went to Voldemort after the fact and clearly won his favor back with Voldemort and Mm -hmm. trusts Snape. But, like, does he trust Snape immediately just to be like, here's all the shit you need to know? 
You know, I don't know, because I don't think it's Snape's style to go back and be this sniveling little, like, skinny dig. Right. I, th- I feel like Snape's going to need some time. But maybe that's his update. Well, just, like, I'm working my perhaps. way back in. I can see Snape just being like, yo, I'm back. Sorry. I had to, like, take a shit. So I was a little bit late. I couldn't be there for the whole Potter killing thing. But I'm here now. What did I miss? And that's when Voldemort is like, FYI, I heard Sirius Black has a little dick. And he's like, oh, okay, big secret. And then he goes back to the order and he's like, guess what? This is what Voldemort said about you, Sirius. And Sirius is like, uh, Snape, you know that I have a huge, massive schlong. <laughs> and Snape is like, yeah, I do. I can see it right now in the outline in your jeans. That's probably what happened. That is, well, now that we know, we don't have to talk about it anymore. I also appreciate that, whose cat is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sirius has a cat now. Look at how cute that cat It's is. on one of the ASMR things. <laughs> it's not a, a secret cat that pops up in my It's not a secret cat. So I also appreciate that they're like, oh, but we don't like Snape, and they just called me Git. Hermione's like, but he's on our side. And they're like, that doesn't mean anything. It sucks. He still is an asshole. <laughs> so yeah, that is absolutely worth bringing up as well. One other thing that does come up is Hermione's continued interest in SPEW. Yes. They do mention creature here, and we don't see creature, but sea creature, like a serpent. Like a serpent. Thing. There are a lot of serpents in this house, but sea creature is not one of them. That's a bad joke. Anyways, Ron says something along the lines of, yeah, Creature is a real fucked up one. And Hermione's like, be nice. And Ron's like, well, he fucking wants to be like his mother who is decapitated and her head's up on the wall. Hermione says something very diplomatic that I feel like is a step ahead. That it's not his fault. And I'm like, see, if it were the way that she approached Winky in the last book about like, oh, she'll get over it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not his fault that this is, like, something that is inane in their DNA or whatever. I feel like that is a step forward for Hermione. I absolutely agree with that. Her stance on Creature, which is not nearly as active as it was with Winky, is a complete 180 from what it was like with Winky. You know, like, yes, Sirius treats Creature like shit. Winky, I don't think, was treated like shit by Crouch until he looked dismissed her. He trusted her with so much stuff. Her loyalty to him passed down. She's been serving this family for years or whatever. But she cared about and liked Crouch and all of that. Versus Preacher, who, because he's a house elf, he's stuck in this situation. He doesn't like Sirius. Sirius doesn't like him. Knowing that, on top of the fact that Hermione's like, yeah, but this is this, is... That could also really be what helpful. she means about it's not his fault. Because if we put ourselves in Creature's shoes, or if he had shoes, which he doesn't because he's not a free elf, he definitely has this loyalty to the legacy of the Black family. Yes, he does. Be it Mrs. Black, or be it his mother or whatever, he doesn't care about Sirius treating him this way. But in his mind, Sirius is a traitor. So, perhaps he does care because of his loyalty. That seems more along the lines of, like, what Creature, as a house elf, would be thinking. Maybe it's more like, I would like to have my head on that wall. It's a place of dignity and honor. 
I mean, Creature is still a dick, of course. Well, Creature's but, totally a dick. But that is, I think, the way to look into it. Maybe against what I said about Hermione maybe doing her research and really knowing, like, how a house elf operates. It could just be her looking at, like, well, can you blame him? Sirius always treats him like shit, which is kind of a half-truth. So, obviously, there will be more about house elves in yeah. this book, Bring which will more. be very interesting to dig into. But Creature is another strange case study in the book of house elves very similar to how dobby and winky are also so different the very last thing that basically happens here is molly's like meeting's over time for din din then something happens tonks makes noise tonks makes noise and that causes the curtains to fly open and mrs black to be racist be a racist bitch is she always asleep behind that thing or is she just waiting I can't wait until these curtains open up so I can start screaming at people. I don't know because, like, she's a portrait, so, I mean, I'm sure she sleeps at some time. I don't know. I guess. I mean, but if she's behind that all the time. seem to sleep sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, but, like, not all the time, you know. So there must be some time where she's just, like, biding her time, and finally when that opens, she takes her opportunity. That being said, the way this chapter ends versus the way the last chapter ends, when it's, like, this is happening, and Harry, like, looks over, and they're serious. Mm-hmm. And Sirius is like, I see you've met my mother. That is a cool Harry's way like, to end the chapter. Right? I like it. Yes. Because it is sort of a refreshing thing of, like, ah, it's Sirius again. We're already starting to learn more about Sirius's backstory as well. Which is interesting, because that is Harry's family now. Not for long. But... <laughs> For now, you know, we know for the most part about James and Lily, you know, in particular, James we learned a lot about in book three. So now it's time to learn a little bit more about Sirius. And then, of course, we continue to learn more about Lily throughout the rest of the series as well. Game time. Fuck, Mary kill. Oh, my God. <laughs> She stole it away from me. I did. Now, as you can see, we've moved away from the sexy Fuck, Mary Kill music. So, I don't know. If you really want to listen to it, maybe I'll post it to our Patreon. And then you can pretend. Just listen to it randomly all you want. Yeah. You can, like, play it and then, like, look at yourself in the mirror like you're in a soap opera. Put a fan on and whip your hair around and feel very sexy. Why you gotta talk about me like that? Is that what you do? That's why you don't got time for anything. <laughs> All right. Who who we do? Okay, fuck, fuck Mary, Mary Kill. Kill. The troll leg umbrella stand. The severed head house elves. The painting of Sirius's mother. Okay. Well, that's not particularly what I thought you were going to go with, but I appreciate it. What did you think I was going to go with? I like actual fuckable creatures. Not creature, <laughs> but like alive things, but we fucking objects today. Like it's the first time on this podcast. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I'm going to marry Sirius's mother because, first of all, I, I'm a Slytherin. So she would be like, okay, cool. I'll marry you. But she's also dead and she lives in a mansion. So I would inherit that mansion. So I'm marrying Sirius's mother. I am going to fuck the table. The troll egg? Yes. Mostly because out of default because I don't want to fuck those heads. Yeah, there's a giving head joke somewhere in there, but those are dead heads. They can't suck dicks. <laughs> dead heads. 
Yeah, there's something about those heads that I just do not vibe with. So once I move into this house, I am clearing those out. Those are going to goodwill. And so is fucking, you know, I talked about this earlier when I did choose to like, I think marry a painting previously mm -hmm. as well. And I was like, if I get sick of my painting husband, or in this case, my painting wife, I can send them to goodwill. Mrs. Black is going to goodwill. Goodbye. Thank you for marrying me and giving me all this money, but I don't want you in my house anymore. You are making it very uncomfortable every time I bring guests over. <laughs> so somebody else can buy you and put them in their dining room or whatever. The troll lamp thing, I don't know. I mean, it could be a very sturdy surface. So I could put like, a, I don't know, a blanket over it and it could still be a nice table, even if it's an ugly troll leg table. I don't know how I'm going to fuck it. But it's better than those heads. Okay, well, I'm going to kill the troll heads. I just called them troll heads. They are not troll heads. They are a household head. Yes. That is very disrespectful to both breeds. <laughs> well, I'm going to kill them anyway. Those, those heads. The heads. By heads. I'm going to marry the troll leg umbrella stand. And you're going to fuck my wife? Yeah. Wow. You'd love to hear her scream, apparently. <laughs> Why are you marrying that table? It's not a table, it's an elephant or elephant. <laughs> is it now? It's an umbrella stand. Oh, it's an umbrella stand? Yeah. I thought it was a table. No, it's an umbrella stand. Okay, you the previous thing I said about putting useful. like a tablecloth on it isn't really gonna work. So it's a hollowed out leg with umbrellas so. in it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'll it's fuckable because there's a hole in it then. It's empty. So why are you choosing to marry the umbrella stand? I mean, it's useful. I'm putting umbrellas in it. Is, is that what you plan on doing to any spouse? <laughs> is that your idea of sexy time? Is this why I'm I'm single? gonna put the umbrella in and then I'm gonna open it. <laughs> this is why I'm single. <laughs> because everybody you've talked to won't let you stick an umbrella up their ass. That's why you're single. Can't blame everybody else, so. There really isn't. The Molly moment is very lovely. Fred well, and George and Ginny jumping in are lovely. Like, yeah. Well, there's not too much Ginny. Literally, when Fred and George kind of like apparate in, it made me flinch because it is very, you very did sudden. flinch. The extendable ears look amazing. Crookshanks got a nice yes, snack. star moment from Crookshanks. Yes. Who's legit not mentioned really, but... Yeah. So when Harry first walks in, he does get a glimpse of Lupin and Sirius. Yes. Which in the movie is great because he hasn't seen either of them for any of book four. All he saw was Firehead. Right. So it's a little bit more impactful in the movie. So that's a good thing. The framing of that scene is also lovely too. You like look up and... They, like, make eye contact, and then, like, Lupin's over his shoulder. And then Molly's like, here I am. I'm gonna hug you, and it's gonna be nice. Oh, now so lovely. go the fuck upstairs. We do see Creature. We see Creature. Unlike in the book. Talking to himself. Muttering to himself, and he's polishing the little, like, gold nameplate of the painting of Loud Bitch, which we don't even see, which, to me, I feel is a loss. I would have... Love that. Because if you don't know anything about the series, which I imagine a lot of people who have watched the movies are exactly like that, if you aren't familiar with what is going on there, it is kind of strange. 
And then when he goes to see Hermione and Ron, Hermione, of course, does, like, immediately come and hug him. And then everyone's wearing stripes with him. (laughs) Yeah. One thing we didn't mention about the book is that they are severely packed, so Hedwig did her job. I always wonder if Harry truly meant for Hedwig to, like, hurt them. I think so. Based on in the book, because there are times where it even says, like, Harry didn't even really feel that bad. I feel like it's an after-the-fact kind of thing, though. Like, I think that that's a legitimate state, but I don't know that he, like, wanted Hedwig to hurt them, but he doesn't feel bad that she did, is what I kind of get from it. Like, he was like, make them do this, and probably not thinking about the fact that an owl pecking your friend would actually hurt them and draw Well, and perhaps also... Then he's just like, I don't fucking care, I'm so pissy. He didn't also realize necessarily that they were, like, sworn to secrecy either, so there is that. But yeah, the tantrum is pretty non-existent in the movie. No, he doesn't really yell. He's very sarcastic. He's like, don't suppose you couldn't have mentioned this in a letter. Like, he's just a sassy bitch. He's sassy, and then when he does... See, the thing, like, I'm the one who did X, Y, Z. It's more subdued. It's not so much like, yeah. I saved your ass, and I'm the savior, like it is in the book. Yeah. It is a little bit more along the lines of, couldn't I have helped, etc. Which, I kind of appreciate that. Sometimes I get the... Which feels a lot more like the Harry we know and love, too. Yes. The fact that he is a little bit more calm completely discounts all of the build-up to this moment, too. Because mm-hmm. in the movie, he still thinks he's expelled. And so there's perhaps even more stress there, too. So I almost would have liked to see the tantrum. And I know that there's going to be more angst coming up. But I also think when people talk about Harry's angst in this particular movie, they're referring to the movie over the book because the movie is just more people have seen it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that when people (laughs) refer to angsty Harry in the movie, I'm like, oh, bitch, you don't even know. Because it's nothing like what's in the book. I would have liked to see a little bit more because then also it balances out everything else in the scene. Also, it does give him that opportunity to have his legitimate, this is where I'm at kind of moment, you know, because he doesn't get to have that either because it's not in the movie. Otherwise, I mean, there is a a fair amount of information in terms of like the catch up that is missing. Mm -hmm. We don't see as much Ginny. But, I mean, we see more of her in the movie later, so it, that's not huge. They don't bring up any of the other brothers. Yeah, they don't bring up Percy at all. They don't bring up Bill and Flirby um, fucking. Yeah. They don't bring up nearly as much about the corruption, which I think would have been a better thing to bring up since everything else that continues to happen. Again, it, it's not like any missteps that are akin to what happened in Goblet of Fire, which were major, major things. I do think maybe the biggest thing for me is omitting anything about Percy. I will always stand at the place where I'm like, the omission of Percy's story is a tragedy. I don't love that. Could the movie be better? Of course it could. Is it an absolute Mm -hmm. fail? Not really. I love how it looks. I think they Mm -hmm. nailed how Grimmauld Place appears. Whose cat is that? I don't know. Plus 20 to Ron, Hermione, and Molly. Ron and Hermione, we talked a lot about how they are very, very patient and especially good on Ron. I could almost even give Ron maybe more points because if we're yeah. grading on a curve, but nah, I've already put it down as 20. And then Molly, of course, like anytime Molly is there, it's a warm, fuzzy presence. The only time that I've taken points away from her was the whole thing where 
she didn't give Hermione as big of an Easter mm-hmm. egg. Egg. Otherwise, I mean, Molly is always uh, so lovely. She basically does welcome Harry back into the magical world, too, if you really kind of think of it that way. Everything before then was like a rescue mission. So I'm also going to give 10, even though some of them are a little bit irritating throughout. I did enjoy Ginny, Fred, and George coming and popping in and being a part of that. And they also feel more like of a welcoming nature. And the things that they're doing, it's like, yes, you're back. You're back in Magic Land. And I also gave 10 to Sirius for the little thing at the end. And, hey, he gets to see Sirius again. Not in a hidden kind of situation. They didn't have to meet under circumstances in the woods or anything, you know? So that's really great. I'm taking 15 points away from Harry. Okay. Because of the tantrum, I do think he says some pretty hurtful things. Like I've said, I understand. I get it. But it comes down to that we know Harry is better than this. Mm-hmm. And we've all been in that situation where we kind of like explode and all of our emotions go over the place. So cool. It's something that is realistic and relatable. But in any of those situations, would I have taken points away from a person doing that sort of outburst? Probably. So negative 15 to Harry. Fun fact, right now in the point scale, Harry and Dudley are tied. You did not give him enough points for defeating a defender. I gave him 10 points, I think. I feel like there's probably more. He's defeated Dementors in the past, okay? I don't know. This is not a new thing for Harry. This is how I'm assigning points. Negative 15. He now has negative 5. That's just how it is. Ron has more points than Harry. I'm so happy for Ron. I'm happy for Ron, too. Good job, Ron. Keep it up. Negative 30 to Percy, for obvious reasons. For existing. And to the Daily Prophet. Because... It's not just Rita, obviously, you know? Like, it's the whole fucking paper, and mm-hmm. they'd be saying libelous things about a child. And then, negative 50, most importantly, to Fudge. Yes, he shit the bed on the last book, and he's already shitting it on this book. I mean, he was shitting the bed in this book, like, before we even started reading it, let's be honest. And that's that. Did you not give points, or take points away from Sirius's mom? No. Oh. Because she a painting. She just... Well, no, because I remember you saying at some point you were like, I think I made her an object. Based on my categorizations from the end of the last book, I think she's an object and not a person. Because she's a painting. Okay. That might be wrong. I don't even know. But we'll figure that out once we finish this book in a year. Because literally, it's going to be like a year before we're done with this. Next time, we will be discussing chapter five, which is called The The Order Order of of the the Phoenix. Phoenix. I actually remember that one because I was like the book title. I think this is the earliest of the book titles. Yeah, The Goblet of Fire was much later. The Prisoner of Azkaban, I don't even know if that was... I don't a chapter title. No, that's a chapter title. And I don't know if Philosopher's Stone or Sor- the Sorcerer's Stone was a chapter title I think either. it might be. I don't know. Chamber of Secrets absolutely was, but that was, of course, later on. But the Order of the Phoenix, I mean, we've already met the Order of the Phoenix. Everything else that is a chapter title is met a little bit later in the books. With maybe the exception of Prisoner of Azkaban, because Sirius Black is mentioned fairly early in the third book. Yeah. It's been a while. We read a really long book. Yeah, in between. So yeah, next time the the chapter, uh, the title is the chapter of the book. Wee. You sounded really high. And you I'm also not, look pretty high, too. I'm just tired. I'm allowed to be tired. Don't look at me like that. Yeah, you are. I'm pretty tired, too.
cool. What a great way to end. I know. This. So good. I'm like. I don't know. Say something funny. I'm. Now I have pressure. <laughs> I am pressured. I feel pressure. You are pressure. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Alohomora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.